if you're just joining us this morning, we're in a series called Prayer. I have a, a title of today's sermon. It's called Part Three. We've been working our way through James 5, slowly but surely. First week we talked about, so James asked this question, right? James chapter five, verses 13 to 16 on, and if you're opening your Bible to the pew back in front of you, you can turn to page 1013. James is talking to the scattered church or the church under persecution. These are Jewish Christians who find themselves under great trial, difficulty, and they need to endure. Some of us need to endure because the kids are in the room today, right? Some of you parents are like, <laughs> thanks a lot. But we are grateful for the little kiddos. If you're a kid in the room, why don't you stand up really quickly? If you're a kid in the room, stand up. Come on. There's more than just the five that stood up. Here's the expectation you guys would, will take good notes. I want you to get the thesis statement and I expect a five page paper in response to all the good things you heard from me. We're happy that the kids, you know, the, the kids at, I know for parents it might be overwhelming, but um, the lesson that we're trying to teach the kids is that this is the gathered church, right? One day they're not gonna, ha they're gonna have the choice whether they want to continue to participate in the gathered church. And these are opportunities to show them the benefit of being part of the church, right? The gathering of the believers. Um, one day, right, they're gonna get to an age where they get to decide if they want to come to church or not. And you want to build into them the discipline, the spiritual discipline of coming together with the church to lift up the name of Jesus, to proclaim the good news of the gospel, and to share in the encouragement and grief of the church. So that's why we have them in the room. It's okay. They're going to squirm. They'll scream. They'll shout. And if there's an amen, we'll accept it as well. James chapter 5, verses 14 to 13. We've been going through 13 to 16, and, and James asked, Two questions that we've kind of answered. The first one said, if you're suffering, he says pray. He doesn't give an option as to uh, how, when, where, when you're suffering to pray. He just says pray. That's the command. And if you find yourself in suffering, like external pressures, adversities, problems, difficulties, you ought to pray. Then he asks, if you are joyful? Are you cheerful? Maybe life is going really well for you. Many of you in this room um, are past the grief, are past the hurt, the pain, or the obstacle. Life seems really good. The, the job is good. The, the, the wife and kids are fine. The, the husband's okay. Um, life seems really well for you. And James says, you ought to sing songs of praise because why? The temptation for us is to fail to see that God is the one who gave us all the things that we have that provide us joy, that provide us um, um, happiness, right? So then we find ourselves in this next passage. Find us in verse 14. Follow with me. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, 
and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. There's a shift in this passage. James reorients us to seeing prayer beyond just personal prayer, right? We're very much comfortable praying on our own, right? We like the individualistic prayer. You know, we're American, so we're individualistic. We like our space, right? We buy houses so we can have an acre on either side so that people won't get near to us, right? The pandemic, right, has taught us to be distant from people. But James shifts this entire passage talking about prayer. He says, well, you ought to pray together and pray for each other. Prayer is, is more than just you sitting there silently praying to God, asking him to do the thing that you want him to do. Prayer is more than just singing a song of praise and thanksgiving to God's character and attributes. Prayer involves all of us together praying for one another. Prayer is not just a spiritual discipline that you practice. It's a spiritual discipline that the church practices together. I would say that one of the reasons why many of the churches in America are unsuccessful is because they're, they're really good at talking about prayer, but they're really bad at praying and praying with each other. We, we don't want people to get close to us. We, we want to be authentic and genuine, but we really don't want to share our problems and our hurt. We, we want to put the veneer of the American dream and, and let everyone see that we're okay, we're fine, and, and we don't want to let them see the, the deep parts of our heart, the things that we long for, the things that hurt us, the things that break us, the, the physical problems that we face. Like We don't want them to know that wasn't God's design. God's design, his intention for the church has always been that the church will pray. And not just pray as individuals, as members of that church, but that the church would pray together. That the church would pray for each other. So James says, hey, are you sick? Call the elders of the church to pray. Now there's Tension. We're going to have to do a little bit of teaching this morning. Not a lot of fire and brimstone today. Just some teaching. Because there's some tension in this passage. The tension is, is James really saying that if you're physically sick, you ought to get the elders of the church to pray? And you're asking, well, yeah, Tim, that's what the word says. It says sick. Well, there's a debate. Because the word in verse 14 in the original Greek, if you look at it, it says sick, but what it means is, or it has a connotation of, of more than just physical illness, is actually talking about someone who is weak. So there's a couple of definitions for the word. It's, it refers to someone who's feeble, someone without strength, someone who doesn't have the power, um, someone who is powerless, and then it also has a connotation, a third meaning, a fourth meaning in the word that could refer to is someone who is physically ill. 
So the question is, is James talking about physical illness or is he talking about weakness, a spiritual weakness? Others, people say that it's about spiritual weakness because who is he talking to? He's talking to the persecuted church and why would the persecuted church need to, need to be praying for people who are sick if they're not, if he hasn't mentioned it before in the passage and he's really talking about endurance and, and it makes sense, right, that he's talking about spiritual weakness because the persecution of the church, the adversity the church is facing, I mean, it makes sense that they're going to be spiritually weak. And then some people say, well, there are also other passages in the New Testament that talk, that use the same word. The word that was translated sick, they use it in other parts of the New Testament, like in Romans chapter 6, when it talks about the mental ability or the spiritual condition of someone's life in Romans chapter 5, or the conscience, right, in in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and Romans, 12, Romans 14. Then they say, well, in verse 15, he uses a different word, and it doesn't mean sick. He uses this idea of weakness, but it's a different connotation. The word is used as, as weary, someone who's growing weary, someone who's overwhelmed with, with tiredness and weariness, someone who is weak. So, so is James talking about someone who is spiritually weak or someone who is physically ill? That's the tension that we live in. I think either makes sense. Let me give you some of my thoughts, and I would encourage you, read it for yourself. Go study it, read it. I'm not the brightest crayon in the box. Here's a couple of thoughts that I have. Why, why would someone who is spiritually weak need the elders of the church to lay hands on them and pray over them with anointing oil? We don't typically see that in the Old Testament. Second question we have to discern is, why does James say that the prayer will save the one who is sick and raise him up, right? Is, is he talking about like, um, raising up as in like lifting up their head or encouraging them, making them feel good about themselves, or is he talking about that, that the prayer of faith is going to raise their body up, right? That's, that's a question we have to answer. And, and the other question is, why do most English translations of the New Testament, I'm sure in your Bible, um, says sick? Why don't they just use the word weak? Why? In my ESV, um, the, e, the book that you, you probably uh, read from and the Pewback Bible in front of you, why do they use the word sick? I mean, these are smart theologians and scholars who have studied, studied the Greek language. Why do they pick the word sick and not weak? They can easily just translate the word weak. And, and I think the tension we just live in is that, that Paul, I mean, excuse me, James might be referring to someone who's spiritually weak, but, but here's what I think. I think it's someone who's physically ill. It could be both, and we can live in that tension, and either is right. I mean, maybe he's referring to both. Maybe he's referring to someone who is spiritually weak that caused them, you know, sometimes have you ever met people that, like, they're so weary of life, life has, like, taken a toll on them that has made them physically sick. Maybe he's referring to that. But, but what we see in the New Testament, and I'll give you a couple of reasons why I think it is referring to someone who is physically ill, is because 
For one, in the Old Testament, they use anointing oil for consecration, a dedication to the Lord, whether it's something in the temple or in the tabernacle that was dedicated to the Lord or, or, or dedicated um, to God, um, excuse me, um, anointing someone with oil that was being dedicated to God. Like Aaron was anointed with oil. Moses was anointed with oil to be dedicated to God for service or for ministry. And, and, and I think the other reason, too, that what we see in this passage is Mark chapter 6. I think Mark chapter 6 is the, the biggest clue that we have. It's, it's, it's the only other time in the New Testament in which anointing oil was used for prayer over the sick. And the second time we see anointing oil being used to pray for someone is in this verse. So, so my thoughts are, it could be both. Let's go with both. And here's why. Because God can answer both, right? Right? I, I don't think, I don't think we, we need to definitively say that this is only for people who are sick or these are only for people who are spiritually weak. I think we ought to take the posture and say right, that, that we ought to pray for people who are in desperate need of God. Right? And we should take the posture if there are people who are physically sick, that their bodies are aching. If people who are, and I'm not talking about the seasonal allergy, right? Like, I thank God for modern medicine. Let me tell you something. Modern medicine is a gift from the Lord. It is a way in which God is healing us. We thank God for that. But there are times, there are desperate times where we come to the Lord asking him, God, we need you to heal this person. When we're praying for Jeff, we're praying for healing. Asking God to heal his physical body. Why? Because we think about his kids who might grow up not knowing who their dad is. We think of his wife, we think about us, right? We, we tend to think what his, his absence might look like and we beseech the Lord and asking him, hey God, heal him. Whether you do it through divine intervention or you do it through chemo and radiation. That's how we ought to pray, asking God for healing. I think one of the saddest things that we see in America is these televangelists on TV who say they have the gift of healing and it only seems the only time the gift of healing is the switch is turned on is like you handed them a check and you went to that revival meeting, right? There was one time growing up, I've heard the story, I think I saw it on TV, a televangelist has the gift of healing and he's praying for God and the guy has glasses and the guy's just asking for healing so that he can see but he has glasses and the televangelist is like praying fervently, God heal him, heal him in the name of Jesus and you know speaking in tongues and all that and I'm like, this is nuts. You know why I thought it was crazy? Not, not that, the, that it was crazy for them to pray. It was, it was mind-boggling to me because the televangelist had glasses on. So like, he has glasses on, but he's praying for this guy to heal him. And he's like, I have to get the healing. I'm like, brother, why don't you put your hands on your eyes? Right? Like, or do us all a favor. Why don't you walk into Summa Hospital and start going to every room? And if you have that gift, pray everyone out of the hospital, right? Like, I mean, and, and I'm not saying that we ought not to pray. I'm saying that the person who has the gift of healing is God himself. Amen. That's the one we go to. That's the one we say, hey, we need you to do this, and we need you to do it now. 
Here's one of the things that I, there are three things that I wanna share with you that I think are important for us to see of, as to why we don't pray for healing. And then practical, you can apply them to pretty much prayer in general, but I'm here a couple of things of, of why I believe we don't pray for healing. We, we are very shy, when someone's sick, we're very shy to, to say, I'm gonna pray right now, pray for healing. The first thing is um, because we think, we think it's too small for God to do. It's too small. What do I mean by that? When you look at God, right, in your mind, you picture him in your mind and you, you, you think about the universe. You think about the galaxies that he's created, the planets that he put in those galaxies. When you think about the earth that created and the billions of people that live on this planet and you think about the world systems and the world governments and the issues that so many people face, you, you look at God and you say, surely this is too small for you to take care of because you're a big God and you're more concerned about everything that's happening in the world and, and, and the issues happening in this country is far more important than little old me, right? Like you ever feel that way? That, that, that God won't answer your prayer. God won't pray because, because it's too small for him to do, that he's only really worried about the big things in your life or the big things that are happening, right? Like praying for, for politics or praying for, for you know, um, disasters that are happening in the world. It's easy for us to pray those things because maybe, maybe God will answer those. Um, recently, we were praying for Terrence Davis. If you guys don't know who Terrence Davis, all of you um, sh- should know and would know Terrence Davis. He, he greeted for many years, um, every Sunday, I think every Sunday he greeted in the parking lot. Um, he ended up with cancer recent times and um, in recent days, last week, it got worse and he was in the hospital and we as a staff prayed. We pray for healing. We ask God, we need you to heal him. Pastors went over there, anointed him with oil, prayed over him, prayed for healing. ABF leaders, his ABF group, went over there, prayed and prayed and asked God to heal him. And what did God do? He passed away. What do we do with that? What do we do when God says, no, uh, I'm not gonna do the thing you ask me to do? What ends up happening, what could happen is the second thing that makes us not trust God in prayer or makes us not want to pray for healing is that we think, on the flip side, the thing that we ask God to do is too big for him to do. We are all comfortable in this room to pray prayers of, like, the, the nuanced prayers. God, you ever hear, you've heard this before. I've done this before. You know, it's, it's that famous word, God, would you bless today, right? Like, bless this person today. Um, bless my afternoon. Or, God, um, we bless this meal together, and we thank you for its provision. Those are good prayers, but, but like, when we're praying for somebody who needs healing, God, would you, would you just bless them right now? Give them the encouragement, what they need. It's like sometimes those are good prayers, but the motivation of those prayers is, 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 is based on our, our doubt, right? We don't want to, we don't want to ask God for, for him to do this thing because we know it's too big for him. Like who, who, 
who wake, up, wake us up in the morning and we'll have a good, okay day. And we're okay with giving credit to God for the good things, but, but we're, we're afraid to ask him for the big things. We're afraid to ask him, God, I, I need you to save my children. I, I, I need you to, to, to penetrate their hearts and minds and I need you to break them, God. Break them so bad that, that all they see is you. No, no, but what we really want is, God, I want you to just, would you just save my kids? Or, or, the, or the God, I want you to bless my marriage. No, no, no. What, what about those prayers that like, those big, big prayers that, that, that are like outrageous, that, that puts it all on God, that says, God, if you don't do this, I can't. So you have to show up. And if you don't show up, it's on you. It's not on me. Right, like if you don't answer this prayer, it's not because I didn't pray. It's not because I didn't trust you with it. It's because you decided in your sovereign will and in your good plan not to answer the prayer. But those are the prayers that we ought to pray for. Those are the prayers that we ought to bring to God to say, God, you have to heal this person of cancer. And then we in return have to trust him to do it. I think the other reason why we don't pray for healing is because we don't believe he'll do it. When I was younger, um, there was something weird about me when I was a kid. I know you guys are surprised. You're like, wait a minute, you're not weird at all. I'm not. Um, when I was younger, I, I never really liked medicine. When I got sick, I never really liked medicine. Um, I still don't, I don't like taking medicine. If I take it, it's because, man, I'm on the struggle bus, right? Um, but when I was younger, this is a true, true story. When I was younger, um, I would often ask my, my parents, I don't know if they still have this medicine. It's a, remember Dimetap and Robitussin? I, do they still have that out there? Okay. You, you know, back in the good old days, as they say, right, we had those. Nowadays, I don't even know what they give you. They might give you a patch and you're fine. Um, no, that's for cigarettes. Sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. But here's what I, I never want to take medicine, but here's what I would do. If, if I didn't want to take medicine, I would go to my dad and say, Dad, you got to pray for me because, because um, I loved when my dad prayed for me when I was sick because, because when I was even a kid, I was like, my dad is such a godly person that, that God will hear him. He won't hear me because I'm so bad, but he'll hear my dad because my dad is really good. And, and I, would, I loved my dad when, when he prayed for me because my dad was the type of man that he believed that God was going to heal. Like he believed it. He would say it all the time, like, God's going to cure you. Just trust and believe. Over time, though, I've seen a lot of times in my life when God has said no. And oftentimes the truth is when God says no a lot, which is not part of his will, right? When, when, when he says no, it's because, because something else is better for us. But over time, you, you tend to have more doubt and you tend to think God is not going to do it. So I remember in Sunday school classes, they would teach you that passage in Matthew, right? It's, you remember, it, it's the passage um, about the mustard seed. Jesus tells um, his disciples, says, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you can tell that mountain to be moved and it will move. I love that verse because there's, there's some power in that. So what I would do is, and I still do this sometimes, sometimes you revert, revert back to your, your kids, your kid mind, and I would say, God, I'm gonna pray for this, 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 and this. But before I pray for all these things, God, would you give me faith like a mustard seed? I want a really small faith because I doubt and I don't believe that you're going to do it. 
So would you give me the faith that you will do it? And then I would ask God, do this, 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 and this, and this. And, and I think that's, that's similarly true today. But the only difference is that, that the faith that we put in trust, the faith and trust that we put in God, it's not just the belief that he's going to do it. The, the faith and trust in prayer is not like you have to conjure up an emotion and an idea that says God is going to do it and that all, that's all that God requires. No, no. Faith and trust in prayer is this, right? It, it's saying that God can do it, God will do it if it's in his plan. That's what faith says, right? Faith says God can do it. God will do it if it's in his plan. Faith should encourage us to pray, to believe that he's going to do it. But also at the same time, we ought to remember that prayer is also to align our heart, our mind into his will. And that when God says no, when God says that's not what I have for you, you have to be okay with that. Why? Because God has something better. When we prayed for Terrence healing, we got the answer. It just wasn't the answer that we wanted. When we prayed for healing, that God would heal his body, what do you think God did? God said, I'm gonna give you the better thing. You want the physical healing, but I'm gonna give him the better healing, which is a glorified body. The healing that he sees me face to face. The healing that says, I will never suffer with cancer again. I will never ever, ever shed a tear for pain and hurt. I am going to see my creator for eternity. And sometimes that's the answer God gives us. And that's the answer we have to be okay with. But should that deter us from praying? Should that keep us from praying for people who are spiritually weary or people who are physically ill? No. We pray. And what James says is call the elders. And the reason why he asks, he says call the elders is not because the elders have any magical power. They don't conjure up some, some magical potion with the oil to pray for someone. The reason why he calls the elders to pray is twofold. One is because the, one of the primary jobs of an elder, one of the primary jobs of a pastor is to pray. And that's what's gonna happen in our church, right? Like we're gonna have elders and one of their primary roles is to pray. And if you want to be an elder and don't have a prayer life, do us all a favor. Do not want to become an elder. Because, because we want men and women in this church, we want our entire church to be a church of prayer. We want our elders and pastors to be men of prayer. Men who lean into prayer, who beseech the throne of God, who have no problem spending hours and hours and hours of their life in prayer. Praying bold prayers for themselves, for their family, for their ministries. Praying bold prayers for our church to see God do miracles. And what are the miracles that I'm referring to? I'm talking about spiritual miracles, right? The salvation of lost people, the building up the body, the exercise of spiritual gifts of hospitality administration in the church. That's what we want to see. We want to see a vibrant, healthy church. So James says, get the elders to pray because their job is to pray and also is to pray in community. Not to pray in private, 
Not, not to pray during you know, your prayer time during the week. No, no, pray when the church gathers. That's when we pray. That's why we have a prayer time in our service. Because we believe in prayer. So. so James says, if you're sick, get the elders to pray. Now what do we do? Quickly, look at verse 15. What do we do about this verse that says the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins, he would be forgiven. Here, here's a general thought. There, there is an act. When someone asks for prayer for healing, for physical healing or spiritual weariness, there is an act of humility that they're demonstrating to the church, that they're de demonstrating to God, that says, I cannot fix this, but I know someone who can, but I either don't have the words or the ability or the power to fix it or to pray, so would you pray for me? Um, this, is, this is beautiful. Um, this, at the nine o'clock service, um, nine o'clock service, I was a little, uh, you know what I mean? Have you ever been, uh, you know what I mean by, uh, I was just like, uh, I wasn't vibing. Um, meaning, if you don't know what vibing means, I just wasn't in the mood. Um, but we're singing the songs, I'm like, okay, like, I gotta get into it, I gotta get into it. Um, because I, I do want to worship the Lord, but sometimes I just, I just wanna sit down. I don't, sometimes I just don't wanna preach. Sometimes I don't wanna sing. I just wanna mope around and be miserable. But I told you guys last week that like, when we sing songs, those are forms of prayers, right? Praises to God. So I'm like, oh my gosh, they're watching me, so. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm doing all the things, right? But then um, in a moment, so I'm singing the song and, and, and then I think of the idea, you know, keep praying until you start praying. That was an idea that I found, I read somewhere. So I'm, I'm, I'm worshiping. And I like to, when I'm worshiping, I'm a people watcher. So I like to go to coffee shops and sit down and just watch people and not get work done. Um, but I love watching you guys worship because it encourages me. There's something about when we get together and we're worshiping that it, we encourage each other to worship. So I was standing there trying to be all mopey. I look back to the corner at the nine o'clock store. I see Jennifer Bennett. And I think Jennifer Bennett is singing her heart out. I was doing the Living Hope. She's singing her heart out and she's raising up her hands and she's putting her hands to her chest. And then I'm thinking about Jennifer and her life. I'm thinking about like how, how she suffered from cancer and God healed her from that through treatment and that her daughters are growing up. And I'm thinking about her family. And I'm thinking, man, she's been through hard times and she's helped the church a lot. And she can still be here and praise the name of Jesus, surely I can do the same thing too. So I'm just like lifting up my hands, but it wasn't just, just to do it. it. It changed my attitude. Why? Because I began to see other people lift up the name of Jesus. And there's something about prayer that when we pray for each other, when, when we pray with each other, it's, it's a form of, of encouragement for us. And, and I think when we ask for prayer, when we ask for healing, for the elders to pray for us. So when we ask for other people to, to pray for us, it's, it's a form of encouragement as well. It's encouragement to the church to be vulnerable, authentic, to be genuine, but it's also encouraging to the person to pray is that there are real things happening in our life that are beyond us that other people are affected by. And we all 
to pray for them. And there's a promise that God will raise them up. There's a promise that God will save them. And, and here's the point. Like I said before, sometimes God says no to the physical healing, but he always says yes to his children who are in Christ Jesus, who are sealed by the Holy Spirit for an eternal healing, Hallelujah. right? Whether it's now or in eternity. So, so my question to you this morning is, as James says, are you sick? Let's pray. Are you cheerful? Sing songs of praise. And are you sick? Maybe this morning you're spiritually weary. Or maybe this morning you are physically ill and you need prayer. Why don't we just take a minute to pray? Let's pray these two things. Let's ask God to give us faith to trust and believe that God can. But let's also pray that God does whatever we ask him according to his will because that's the most important thing. Father God, um, many of us in this room believe that our prayers for healing, whether spiritual or physical, are too small for you. But we know, God, you are a God who's imminent and draws nearest to your children. God, some of us in this room think the prayer is too big, that it requires a great miracle. But you are the God who, who has done great miracles. God, would you give us the faith to trust you? to believe you, to lift up our petitions towards you with open hands, acknowledging that you can do it, you will do it, but if it's according to your plan, God, would you align our hearts to your perfect plan to see you clearly in the most difficult parts of our hearts, the most problematic areas of our life. Let us see you and only you. Your will be done, but not our will. For the glory of your son and the betterment of your church. We pray this in Christ's name and the people of God say. This has been a message from the chapel. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about the chapel or any of our campuses, including Akron, Green, Wadsworth, Kenmore, Cuyahoga Falls, Nordonia, and Medina, please go to our website at thechapel.life.